be a part of the uh in, or the the interview as well we can we can you may need to that. yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is jack bauer by the way the, jack, the catheter like 24 jack bauer yes named after the character that's all that so that was one of my dad's favorite tv shows <laughs> like of all time and our other cat is named Leroy Jenkins. Uh, <laughs> yes. That I'm familiar with. Seems like that's something I should probably say on the on the actual show. I should I should save my good material. <laughs> well, fortunately for you, I've already hit record like Aha! as of 35 seconds ago. So <laughs> you have brought that material and you've put it on the podcast. You're already doing great. <laughs> See, that's kind of how it is. I'm used to that with the Nerd Burger podcast. I've been on their show a lot of times and often, right. and at least back before uh, COVID times when it was in person, by the time we sat down around there, well, we were sort of like, so what are we going to talk about today? How's everybody doing? The record button had already been hit. And sometimes <laughs> little snippets of that conversation would become the pre-show showed stinger um, yes for them so Perfect. i'm used to that that's one of my favorite things to do is sneakily hit that record button because you never <laughs> know like once people i don't know there, there's kind of a weird disconnect where like once the record button is hit people kind of there, there's a frame of mind like oh i'm being recorded so you can catch really great like golden moments with people not knowing that they're being recorded because there's no pressure <laughs> Oh, uh, well, you know, I don't have to worry about that with me. I'm the one that like I, my ham factor shoots up when I know I'm being recorded. So, <laughs> OK, OK, cool. A performer. I appreciate that. I, I think say. my energy level does that, too. Same. There you go. Extroverts unite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like it. I'm an I would consider myself an introverted extrovert. I, it has to be the right time and place. I, I generally, generally, I consider myself an ambivert, which is okay. I've got bits and pieces of both. When I am in my element, like especially if it's kind of about me, like the, somewhat like this will be, yeah. that's where I just like shine. But if <laughs> I am really kind of not in my element and I'm a little bit unfamiliar and uncomfortable, man, I can be, I can clam up and be super timid and you'd be like, is that the same Ando? Because you don't look like the Ando that I know. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I would... I relate to that massively. Like if I'm out of my element, it yeah. is nope. But you get me in a wrestling <laughs> ring or something like that in front of a crowd. I mean, all bets are off. I was to say, gloves come off. <laughs> wrestling ring, not a boxing ring. Well, yeah, trunks come off. I don't know. Trunks come. No, yeah. trunks stay on. <laughs> the trunks better stay on. I've they, watched enough professional wrestling in my life. Trust me, they better stay on. <laughs> it's a family show, so I've, they've got to yeah. stay on. Who, uh, and who's your favorite wrestler? If um, you have, well, one. bearing in, well, I do, but bearing in mind that uh, that when I um, when lockdown started last March, I had to cancel my WWE's uh, network subscription, so I haven't gotcha. watched anything in over a year. But at the time, I was a big fan of Bray Wyatt. Um, oh. Very and so here's solid. the thing. Nice. I don't know if this is an anecdote that we need to officially start the show before I go to this, but you may find it of note. So do you want me to give you a sec or do you want me to just dive in? You know what? Give me 10 seconds. Let me hit this intro. Okay. We'll get it started. Give me one second. <laughs> Salutations, good people. Welcome to the CS Podcast, where we create stuff, or if you're Trey, create shit. And today, we are back in the saddle. We've got our hands absolutely full with our second ever call-in guest. I was going to say, Ando. Ando, welcome. 
<laughs> thank you. Thank you, everyone. I uh, I appreciate being here. It's it's great. I love being on podcasts. So great to be here trying the new one out. And I think is Ando our first ever return guest? Uh, I guess technically you could say it <laughs> since we did feature him. I guess or feature, feature them. Yeah, feature them uh, two, two weeks ago. Something like that, yeah. I was going to say, it's been two it, weeks since Ando. Yeah. We featured them. So, yeah. Ando, I guess, welcome to the show. Welcome back in a way. I don't... <laughs> sort of. At least now I can speak for myself and you don't have to make assumptions about me. <laughs> exactly. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, as you were saying before we hit that intro, uh, mm. we can dive into a little bit of wrestling talk, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea coming on the show that there, there was going to be... Uh, there was going to be wrestling fan uh, in, involved as well. So oh, it's man. A part of me. That has unintentionally turned out to be a big part of the show. Yeah, that <laughs> that's Josh's wheelhouse. All, I mean, that he he, he wrestles uh, professionally indie? How well, would you? Uh, independent professional oh, wrestler. There we go, thank you. Yeah. So um, that. Which one, AWE? Actually, uh, Three Count Pro Wrestling is a promotion that myself and two other gentlemen started about oh, 10 years okay. ago this year. Yeah, here in, uh, well, I guess in the upstate of South Carolina. I was going to say Anderson, okay. but it's technically Greenville. Um, so, yeah, we do a lot of wrestling talk, and I had no idea that you, Ando, were a wrestling fan, so that's perfect. Yeah, I have been off and on a wrestling fan since uh, right about when I got into college. I had a friend who introduced me to wrestling, which I had I knew it you know about it a little bit, but you know I was uh, I came from a very sheltered upbringing and wrestling. It's not that it was seen as like a bad thing, but it was just like it's a silly thing that we don't watch that in this household. And one of my yeah. friends was like, no, 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 it's not silly. It's awesome. And watch the Royal Rumble with me. And I watched the Royal Rumble and I was hooked. So, um, which, which Royal Rumble? What year would that have been? I think that was the. I want to say it was either the two thousand or maybe no. I think it was the two thousand one Rumble was the first one that I saw. Wow, you started off with a Steve Austin win. <laughs> that is such a cool one to start on. Nice. So the reason that I thought that this might come up as interesting for a more creator based show mm -hmm. is, um. Fast forward many years to like, I think it was 2013, I want to say was when this happened. Okay. One of my college friends who I'd kind of fallen out of touch with since graduating re reconnected with me. And one of the things that we shared was that, hey, we both still love pro wrestling. And so he started a Facebook group called the Cobb Wrestling Fans, which Cobb is a county here in Georgia. Okay. Excuse me. For those and, um, Yeah, for those who do not know. And uh, it started for the first time like almost year of its existence is just a Facebook group with which the local community who decided to get together at Mike's apartment and watch wrestling pay-per-views. And that was all it was for a year. But we came back around to the following year's Royal Rumble and we decided to have some fun with it. We had, uh, Mike had this, uh, one of those like toy replica championship belts. <laughs> okay. And we decided that what we were going to do is make the make it a predictions championship. And nice. we drew numbers because the Royal Rumble is a 30 entrant uh, event. And so with a finite number of entrants and a finite number of people watching, we drew numbers. And whoever's uh, chosen number came out as the winner of the Rumble won the championship belt. Oh, that's cool. And that in and of itself was cool and would have been cool. Except that what my basically my best friend won it. 
And I had been taking some pictures that night and we did a fun little thing. This was back when Bray Wyatt, who I mentioned was my, is my like current favorite wrestler had, was still kind of in his very much deep South Whalen Jennings persona. So Mm -hmm. he wore like the Hawaiian shirt and, and khakis and a, and a trilby and stuff. And it was all the sort of more deep South family type stuff. Well, I had a, a Hawaiian shirt on that night and I had my trilby and I actually decided to take some pictures as if I had smacked my friend in the back with a chair <laughs> um, like they do. And then I took it a step further because we decided that that championship belt was going to be a thing in our little group. And it became the Cobb Wrestling Fans Predictions Championship. And we came up with a thing by which at the beginning of every pay-per-view, everyone who wanted to participate and essentially go for the belt would try to predict the outcomes of matches. And we scored them in a weighted way so that if it was like a runaway, like only one person predicted it correct, they'd get like massive points. But if everybody got it right, it wasn't worth very much. And so basically yeah. in that weighted sort of way, whoever won got the belt. And... I took it a step further for the very next pay-per-view, which was Fastlane that year. I cut a promo <laughs> yes. on my buddy and basically did it very Bray Wyatt style. My wife helped me set up our living room with a great big black sheet behind, and we set it up with creepy, eerie lighting, and I came in from off state, uh, from off camera looking all <laughs> shadowed and dim and talking all crazy like Bray Wyatt used to there. And walked off yell, uh, singing, he's got the whole world in his hands and stuff. Um, and that just sort of started taking off. And before you knew it, people were creating personas and do, cutting promos on each other. All for this silly bit of gold-plated plastic. And my character sort of evolved from a follower of Bray Wyatt into this sort of cult leader of his own. And I started gathering people into my <laughs> little cult family. And... I even devised a, uh, an entrance theme for myself based off a Guano Ape song what? I like that I I know, right? Right? <laughs> and and, and so I became this Ando Wyatt character. Ando and there's Wyatt, pictures like of that. there are pictures of me on Facebook and I even still have the video files I created that I posted on our groups of my little promos that I creepy promos that I would make. And boy howdy, when I won the championship belt, I played that up too. <laughs> I was going to ask if you still had these videos, so I'm extremely yeah. excited to hear that you still have those. You can't see I it do. right now, but I've been grinning this whole time <laughs> because I'm eating this absolutely up. What? Talk about creativity. Like, <laughs> that, right. I love that. I had no idea. So Ando and I have met at, at AndoCon, and so I don't know a whole lot of Ando's backstory. And so to hear that story is incredible. Like, I never do that. So right. this is going to be a fun episode. <laughs> we are just getting started. We're already having fun. So the only thing I ever did, the biggest thing I ever did, uh, other than, like, it, me and this other person, whoever lost, like, evens yeah. and odds, uh, just had to take five shots really, really fast oh, of, of liquor. Um, but <laughs> other than that, myself and uh, the training school students, um, I think five or six of them that I helped train, yeah. we all watched the Royal Rumble in my house, and we all drew numbers, and whoever uh, whoever won got to give everybody in the group a chop, just oh, a yeah. big chop to the chest. <laughs> Um, and we had a couple females in the group, so they were up for that as well. Yeah. And yeah, everybody got chopped by, I think it was, uh, I think little Jake won. Little or Jake. Or Jake, Jacob yeah, Alexander, Jake former guest on the show. 
So <laughs> that, but that is taking it to an insane level. That is, yeah, that is amazing to hear. How fun! Because because of the things that I started doing, other people got ideas and stepped up their game to match me. And my buddy and one of his other close friends, over the course of a couple of over, I think about the course of a couple of months, set up this really complicated storyline that he posted where where my 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 friend had made it look like his his apartment that where we went and and watched the shows and stuff had been broken into and ransacked oh by someone who <laughs> knew about our group and like and like Mike had posted a video of him going through showing things like everything thrown onto the floor and then there were like pictures from the group printed out with our eyes xed out and oh like weird God. things circled on him and stuff put, put like put on his bathroom mirror and like in lipstick it written with like you you you'll be humbled things like that kind of stuff and it ended up being his he was in on it the whole time with his and my wife was in on it too um to all in order <laughs> to introduce another character to be my rival the punk rock punisher it was so oh, much man. fun do, do y'all still like keep up with that or is that kind of faded away the cob wrestling fans group still exists i just don't go to it anymore but gotcha. i it, it i don't i also think they've toned down the uh the all of the promo kayfabe type stuff <laughs> like, I, I don't want to make it sound like I was the like I was the main one doing it, but yeah. when I stopped going, I think that some of the people didn't really do as much, and that's so you know. Well, as long as I've known you, I've known you've you've been very much a storyteller. So I could I could definitely see um, with you stepping back from the group, there being a little bit of a lull in storytelling moments and your promos and stuff like that. I could I could definitely see that. Not again, not to say that you were the driving force or anything like that, but I could definitely see from an outside perspective and knowing you how that could be the case. And if you've never seen a Bray Wyatt promo tray, you he, <laughs> is he the fiend? He is the fiend. Yes, I, my brother's fiend. really into the fiend. So I've seen I've seen that side of it. If like what which go ahead, Endo. I was just going to note also my favorite female wrestler is Alexa Bliss. And since she's now allied with him, it's like my two favorites are together. This is say, perfect. It's got to be a dream come true for she's you. She's like a, I, well, we watched, um, what did we watch? We watched Royal Rumble uh -huh. this year. That's she was watched. the, she's like a, like a, I don't want to say Harley Quinn, but like a, like a bubble gum, like pop. She like, used to be pretty much to... a takeoff on Harley Quinn. That was one of her personas for a while. Oh, okay. That, that, cause that, that sounds familiar. Like I said, I'm, so Josh is more of the wrestling. I'm kind of, I'm kind of getting the sneak peek into all of that through Josh, <laughs> um, and, and being with him. So I, I'm still learning. <laughs> yeah. So well, like I said, I, I, I haven't watched since last March, so I'm very out of date. <laughs> Fair enough. And I don't really keep up with only the big, you know, headlines. Yeah. Do I keep up with the WWE? Um, so, yeah, I'm just as out of touch as anybody on this podcast yeah. right now <laughs> when it comes to current uh, stuff. But, no, Trey, I've got to show you old Bray Wyatt promos okay. when he started the Wyatt family and all the creativity, just the brilliance that went it, into it it's so reminds me of like a like a jackson sane did he pull any kind of like inspiration from bray wyatt uh so jackson sane would be more like a monster okay uh, i was just Br curious bray wyatt's more of like a cult leader okay. or, or f during this era he was more at that point at that point <laughs> okay yeah. i'm just curious if anything i'm more bray wyatt with my drink <laughs> the kool-aid yeah type thing the hearts and minds yeah so well that was 
I like that. That was a cool little it was delightful. Yeah, side tour. Was down not expecting to that. Yeah. Um, Ando, I really wanted to talk to you about music. Okay. Um, mostly because I know that we mentioned last time on the podcast a number of things that you do, including your own podcast, which I definitely want to get to, and your inspiration behind that. Um, we will. <laughs> but I wanted to go ahead and talk a little bit about your music and your inspirations for such, because like I said on the last podcast, I know that I have seen music from you. I know that seen it. I know that I've heard music from you. I know that I've seen videos of you playing, um, mm-hmm. but I couldn't find them last podcast. So uh, kind of, I guess, give people maybe an example of like your style, your inspirations and things like that. So um, I am a, I'm definitely of the category of musicians that would be termed singer songwriter. Okay. Um, I have, I have started playing acoustic guitar when I was six years old and I have been doing that ever since. Oh, wow. Uh, took 10 years of piano lessons. So I've got some music theory under my belt too. Um, but then when I was a teenager is when I really started actually writing. And so the influences that you can pick up, um, and I, I can rattle off some names that I would easily say, uh, you, you could view as influences and if they if you don't know them then i don't know what to say but okay. um, <laughs> fair enough but ba- basically i think about me as kind of like a little bit of bare naked ladies wrapped up with uh some more acoustic less hard rocky sugar cult and then uh winded up with a great big dose of Derek webb um okay with a little bit of influ- uh, of past folk influence from gordon lightfoot because he's also oh. one of my big influences so um, I also am, as just kind of a stylistic note, um, I see songwriting in general as there's like stories and ballads that tell a specific narrative type songs. And then there's kind of songs that just are, that just are songs to that, yeah. that maybe the lyrics either don't make sense or aren't that important or they're just a thing. And then of course you got the ones that are more like from a songwriter's heart and soul that are like maybe not maybe they're specific anecdotes or stories. Maybe it's just an expression of feeling or expression of thoughts or whatever the case, but it's very deeply personal to the person who wrote the song okay. as opposed to like the second category is mentioning, which may or may not have any meaning whatsoever at all. So I am much more of that third category. I almost never write a song that doesn't have some kind of meaning to it. I don't write songs just for the hell of it. And my songs aren't really like telling some kind of epic ballad or tale or whatever. They're just kind of like, this is an expression of my emotions, of my feelings about a given situation or to a person or about something that happened. So that's kind of the way that I do my, my craft. I can, Trey's definitely the, the music guy out of, out of him and I, but I can appreciate a good story being told through same anything that's, I mean, whether it's a wrestling match, a song, a movie, a show, I mean, people, people digest stories, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I can really appreciate that. I feel a lot too. Like that's as far as getting into writing and things like that. That's how I write a lot of my stuff too. As far as like, I guess more of a feeling and something that's personal to me. I, I too don't write unless there's a reason behind it. Like, that's just kind of how, how I am. I was going to say, uh, Ando, would it almost be fair to call you a, I guess, like a modern day bard? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, when I, when people uh, like to compare themselves to D&D classes, I almost exclusively say, I'm the bard. <laughs> I, I got I that it. one on lockdown. <laughs> Charisma's my dub stat, and I've got all the singing and the acting and all that stuff. I got bard cover, guys. <laughs> 
Now, I don't know if we've ever discussed this. Did you ever do like like say plays? Did you ever act? Um, I want to get to the acting bit, but before we leave music behind, okay, okay. Sorry, I'm I jumping around. Of, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I I I do enough things that I it, jumping around is kind of part and parcel for me. Uh, but for music, I well, there were a couple of things I wanted to relate since we were on the topic. Okay. Um, I, I, like I said, I almost never write a song that doesn't have some kind of direct personal meaning to me. And this is driven home to me by the course of a particular song of mine that more than 10 years after I wrote it gained meaning. And I basically was oh. a prophetic song more than a decade in advance that I had no idea was going to happen. Hmm. And because I am the writer that I am, that everything like has a meaning and a significance. When yeah. I wrote this song that kind of didn't seem to, I almost didn't like it. And I almost just threw it away because I thought, ah, this doesn't mean anything to me. This isn't going to be go anywhere or do anything. But I played it for my best friend at the time um, over the phone. And he's like, if you throw that song away, you're an idiot. You have <laughs> got to keep that song in your repertoire. That's the best song you've written yet. And I'm like, dude, it doesn't mean anything. It has no like... I, like the the lyrics are empty they're meaningless yeah. he's like Just maybe to you maybe yeah maybe to you now but but you know other people will like it and it consistently for years people said that was their favorite song of mine and i never understood why because it didn't mean anything and then like over 10 years later circumstances came about and suddenly the song grew meaning and now i can barely play it without breaking into tears because of how much it means to me Oh, so wow. it's just crazy how that can work sometimes. It, it's funny, like, I feel like there are a number of musicians that have a similar uh, a similar circumstance in the sense that, like, people go, oh, that's my favorite song, and the mu- musician just does not like it. <laughs> yeah, like, roll her eyes. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, you could have picked any, like, so for you, what, if you could have had anybody latch on to one of your songs and say, Hey, this is my favorite song for you. What would, what would you like? What is your favorite song? What would you much rather people listen to? Well, I mean, now that's going to be a different answer than in 2003 when I wrote that song. But (laughs) at this point, um, which it's hard, basically right now, I know that even though I did point out, uh, in the comments, I do have, uh, recordings of my stuff up on YouTube. I mean, there, it's not every song I've written and all, and they're just kind of like, they're all like years old at this point and they're just you know living room recordings but i did stream a concert a couple months ago that is still available on my facebook page and i've been hoping to try to put it on my youtube page as well where i do a lot more of my updated songs oh that's so nice i am because it's one of those things that you can imagine i like songs later from my career because like I think I've gotten better as a songwriter. So yeah. my more recent songs, I like better, but there are two in particular that really uh, mean a lot to me right now. Uh, one of them is called, um, well, well, okay. Three, I'll give you my top three. Cause you okay. did ask for something. So uh, number three would be a song called face in the crowd. Um, that one can be found uh, on YouTube and stuff. Cause that one's one I've had around for a while. Okay. Um, so face in the crowd is a good one. Another one is called A Hollow Echo with the subtitle Pardon Me. Um, That one in particular, because it is one that is like, it's of course stylized because songwriters with our poetic license, we, you know, I, I wrote it back during, you know, my sort of experimental phase. The music's a little weird. The lyrics are a little out there, but uh, it is kind of like what it's like to, to, 
from the inner workings of a mind with autism, which is kind of where I was coming from. Okay. Um, and then the what I would consider my number one of my favorite of my songs is one called Immoral Me, which was written about a very personal family situation. But I wrote it's like it's personal enough to yeah. get that it's a personal song, but it's vague enough that anybody else who also has had difficult family situations with, say, a relative that is a complete tool to to exist with. Yeah. Um, can probably kind of catch on that. Hey, I know this feeling. Mm. <laughs> Okay. Right. Uh, and and so it kind of also represents, I think, some of my best musical song writing work as well. So that's why I would call that one about my favorite. Well, very cool. I would love to, uh, at some point, maybe down the road on another episode, take kind of a, I don't know, I think it would be fun to do kind of a deep dive into some of your songs just to get, and now Sweet. depending on how comfortable you are with with how personal, you know, Certain songs. Total that we comfort. Made. Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm I was going to say. Project. I would just love to hear some some of your input, like where you were at when you were writing them, or you know how you developed them, things like that. I don't know. I think it would be really a really neat insight into, I guess, the mind of Ando. Really. <laughs> well, what I could do so, again, we can do this in a in a in a future uh, appearance. But I could always, when I'm in a if I'm at a place not in an apartment that I can't really play music in, but I could try to set it up such that I could maybe even play part to, you know, all of a couple of the songs there kind of as a quote unquote live thing. Yeah. Over that the, would be awesome. over the call, and then explain here's where I was when writing this song. Or whatever. Oh, that would be cool. Gold. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Careful, I'll my ego too much. We've only, been... <laughs> <laughs> we're only what? 20 minutes in and Ando's like, come on now. Like, <laughs> get out of here. You know, we mentally beat the hell out of each other during these shows. So yeah. <laughs> we got to pump somebody up. <laughs> I was about to say. Uh, the I wanted to while we're on music. This isn't about songwriting, but it, okay. because I'm a storyteller, sometimes things tangentially occur to me that are of note and are of interest. And if there's one other thing about me that you can probably ascertain pretty easily, it's that I'm a bit of a hopeless romantic or a lot of a hopeless romantic. Sap. Okay. And I respect that. Um, I do too. So I've mentioned that I'm married. My wife and I got married in 2008 and we got married specifically on February 29th, 2008. Okay. Oh, so, because it's leap year. Duh. Leap year. So that means that we technically only have a real anniversary once every four years. And we've only had three of them so far. <laughs> what a cool story. Like that is, that's awesome. Um, that is cool. Well, that's just the setup to the story. Yeah. So we actually ended up for, for a lot of mostly stress relieving reasons, canceled our like bigger sort of, wedding wedding and we just got married in a courthouse um by a judge and yeah. only my parents saw us but we knew that people friends and family wanted to have that opportunity that you often get to like socialize with a yeah. couple and so we to soothe down some of those ruffled feathers promised that on our first anniversary in 2012 we would do something special so in 2012 for our, our first quote-unquote anniversary we threw reception much like it would have been if we had just come out of a wedding ceremony we just made it the reception that we didn't have um and it was a lot of fun and it was there that i pulled off what to this day remains the only and yet best time i ever managed to pull something off on my wife um Okay. I made plans with one of my coworkers uh, and 
two of our friends, including my wife's best friend and um, her brother. To I made secret plans with all of them to learn the song one, two, three, four by the plain white tees. Okay. And we even had a secret practice session like the week before the reception again with my wife's best friend and her brother and a she couple no of other idea. people. <laughs> I thought for sure she like either knew or suspected because I think that I'm bad at this kind of thing, trying to keep, okay. you know, secrets or whatever. But we get to the appropriate point that I had planned out with my friend who was the, the, the DJ for the event. Um, and we get to that point. We have smuggled secretly my guitar that she didn't even know. Uh, our friend, one of my friend, smuggled it to the place where we were. Her friend drags her off to the bathroom, citing that her hair and makeup need adjusting. <laughs> and while they're in the bathroom, the, the those of us that I got together run over to the corner, grab our musical instruments, set up a chair in front. And I kind of tell everyone who's like looking at me, like, what are you doing? <laughs> They're like, uh, excuse me, I'm about to pull a secret off on my wife. Just bear with me here. Okay. <laughs> um, she comes out of the bathroom and I have her sit down and we play and sing one, two, three, four to her uh, right there. And mm. she's, she has confirmed that I, she had no clue, not yes. a single bit of notion she was shocked when she came out and saw everything and i was so proud of myself for managing to keep that a secret well done and of course it was a really cute moment as you can imagine yeah uh, yeah that was my yeah. first yeah <laughs> it was all i'm just i'm so glad that between because i mean any little thing could have that secret could have slipped i'm glad that it didn't there was no yeah. no suspicion. Nothing. That I think that's what makes it just so incredible. It was meant to happen. Yeah, it was. That's awesome. I've never pulled off anything that secret before uh, since then. I haven't tried, but I at this point she knows that I can pull something <laughs> off. So it would be a little bit harder to keep you know keep secrets. Like, from now she's before. on guard. Yeah, <laughs> even if just you know, a little bit. <laughs> not gonna sing a song to me in public anymore <laughs> without my knowledge. Oh, my hair's on fire. Yeah, nice try. Yeah. <laughs> that's supposed to be a fire extinguisher i can't make a good fire extinguisher <laughs> you did all you could it's all we can you tried. hope for yeah okay i'm st I'm done rambling on the music topic take me somewhere else let's see so let's move on to i suppose and it kind of all ties in in a weird way uh i was gonna i asked you about acting or even just live performance in general okay so it's one of those things that if I had really had a good idea of where my life was going to go, I might have put, I might have leaned harder into it. Okay. I've known my entire life that I was a ham and <laughs> that I have acting ability. Um, my parents have home movies, uh, plenty of me in various church plays growing up. Oh, nice. Um, as, a, as a matter of fact, uh, I was known to be the nuisance child <laughs> in plays because even as like four, five, six years old, I quickly memorized not only my lines, but everybody else's too. And I correct the adults on their lines oh, and they fun. got annoyed at me because of that. <laughs> Respect. Um, yeah. Uh, and my, my, uh, one of the churches, my aunt even wrote, uh, that, that year's Christmas play. And she wrote a part that was, even though I auditioned for it, it was written for me to play. So it was perfect for all of my like timing of being yeah. able to do things. And then, um, my crowning achievement was when I was 18 um, and at the church we were at at that point um, on an Easter play, my dad played Jesus and I played Judas Iscariot. Oh, 
Did what now? So oh, oh. Judas. Oh. I got to betray my own father. That was fun. <laughs> I was going to say, what a neat dynamic. I, I, I feel yeah. like that would have been a lot of fun. It was. I didn't even, and mine was not even a speaking part. I just had to, you know, I just had to, you know, do the whole come up and kiss his cheek. Yeah. Bit. But, um, so that was sort of like, I got into that and, but I didn't ever really take it seriously. It was just church plays. Yeah. That's all I ever thought it was going to be. But then after a few years at Chattahoochee Tech uh, College, I um, transferred to Kennesaw State University. And one of the things I did in my first semester there was to take um, as like everybody has to take as one of their like general electives, either an art, music or theater class appreciation class. Oh, okay. And I took theater. Um, and it was it was pitched as theater appreciation. Mm-hmm. And so, we, you know, I saw plays, wrote you know, opinions on them and analysis on them. But the final project was a group project that the groups were all tasked with writing and creating a short five to 10 minute piece of drama that, that they took a couple of days at the end of the semester for all of us to perform our dramas. Oh, that's cool. And we had to even have like a program. We had to have a script to turn in. We had to have music and, and lighting directions and wow. set pieces. Like we had to actually, I mean, it was a short thing, but we had to actually do it to prove we understood theater. Fully fleshed out. Exactly. So my group, it it's one of those things where it was done by like alphabetical order by last name. So it was total roll of the dice who was going to be my partners. And I lucked out because they had good senses of humor. And we decided our group was going to do a soap opera parody. <laughs> okay. Where nice. we would take some of the kind of classic cliche tropes from soap operas and then crank them up for comedic effect. Okay. My imagination is running wild. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a comatose patient uh, <laughs> dying in a hospital. Of course. World, world's rarest blood type. <laughs> Not enough in the blood bank needs a transfusion. Not his mother's blood type. Um, and he was conceived through sperm donation, so she doesn't even know who the father is. Of course. That's perfect. Uh, furthermore, through the course of the little drama, it is revealed that not only was was the comatose patient uh, engaged to be married, he was also cheating on <sighs> the fiancé. And then in the kind of grandiose reveal that happens at the end, the doctor who is treating the patient turns out to be the sperm donor who is his father also happens to be the father of the fiance and (laughs) the lab tech who's bringing the results and the janitor who's cleaning up in the background. Yeah. And then as this whole scene is kind of falling apart, (laughs) the lights flash, the comatose patient gets up and kind of delivers a scathing um, (laughs) soliloquy to the people around him and then promptly dies. (laughs) (laughs) So, would you care to take a wild guess which part I played? Oh, the, the comatose patient. I was going to say the ding the, ding. Oh, I was going to say the father. Well, he said I he, was he, he cut the promo patient. on the whole. True. <laughs> I just yeah. I don't know. I, I figured he would. I, I I see. Well, I guess all the focus would have been on the the comatose patient. My thought was like the doctor or somebody that would have more speaking parts <laughs> to where you could really play it up. But yeah, I guess with the promo there at the end. That's, yeah. <laughs> the way that I still I was the comatose patient, and the way that I still got to have my acting chops is that. Um, Part of our part of our concession to the over the top soap opera tropes is that at some of the big dramatic reveals, you know, there's always like bum 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 music. <laughs> yeah. 
So music would play, but everyone would look around like, wait a minute, where's that music coming from? You know, look around the room, <laughs> including the comatose patient. Like I would like lean my head up and look around confused, but then like, back <laughs> yes. And when it came to the delivering the scathing soliloquy, even though I didn't write the script for the rest of it, they let me write my own soliloquy. Oh, so I nice. wrote my soliloquy. And of course I got to, you know, do all kinds of dramatic things. And one of the requirements for the project was that there had to be a Shakespeare quote somewhere, even if it was just in the program, but somewhere there had to be one Shakespeare quote. Okay. I claimed it. I claimed it for my soliloquy. And I said, at, as things were, as I was kind of, uh, staggering back to the bed and i'm like it's all going dim now and i did the whole like back of the hand to the forehead <laughs> parting is such sweet sorrow then i like lean back in the flatline you know sound effect <laughs> yes <clears throat> so that was my uh theater experience there and if i had not if i had known better the way i wished my life could have gone yeah. i would have leaned harder into acting because i had a lot of fun with that but i ended up that was kind of the last acting that I did up until my podcast, because I kind of had to go be the re responsible adult and, and yeah. get my bachelor's degree in computer science and spend nine years being a computer programmer before I learned how much I hated it. Fair. I mean, and yeah, <laughs> actually now that I say that, that the, it kind of follows that after I left the corporate career behind mm -hmm. the, the next job that I had for two years and it's still the best job I've ever had was I was a game master at an escape room, which is basically that. acting at an escape room. Um, oh, so it okay. was, yeah, he, he was a game master for the, for an escape oh, room. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it's a, it was a lot of fun, especially cause I was given a lot of leeway to, you know, develop my own characters. Like we all kind of had to fit a mold and there's yeah. like certain information we had to all be able to give, but we were given a lot of like personalize the character, make them your own. So I had like special names for all of my characters and I developed like, even though the customers would never, ever, ever possibly know this, I wrote like three, four paragraph backstories of all of my GM characters. They oh, had wow. history. That's talk about, fascinating. I was going to say, talk about developing a character just to make it more real to you and to be able to make it more real to those that are, that are, I guess, partaking in the, in the game or in the know. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> you said you did that for two years. Yep. I did that for two years. Nice. Um, and it's still, that's still my favorite job I've ever had. I could see that. That seems like it would be a fun job. I've only been to one escape room, but it was a blast, and I, I would love to go back. So, like, I could I could just imagine like working at one and being at, being behind the scenes and like I don't know being able to run that would be kind of fun. It's it's a lot of fun. Although you, of course, you know any 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 job that that interfaces with the public, you have oh, yeah. to deal with the public. Yeah. And sometimes dealing with the public is uh, challenging, but. <laughs> How would you equate that to, like, say, D&D? &D? I would say that being an escape room game master feels like a combination of... of it feels like a combination of acting and LARPing. Okay. Even though I, I have to admit I have never, like, actually LARPed, I do understand kind of how it's, like, it's more than just the the voice, like, when you're just sitting around a character yeah. and maybe your voice, you know, you're gesticulating and using your facial expressions, but that's about it you know with an escape room especially with the one like at not all escape rooms are going to be the same obviously yeah. and at the one that that i worked for immersion was so much more key than in many of the escape rooms i've actually 
gone to. Oh. And like, for example, my favorite room, and it's, it was our most popular room, was one called Ripper, oh, Jack the Ripper, yes, which is set in 19th century England, which means that we can't, it, well, you could, but it would be very removing from the immersion to have like a big screen TV on the wall to receive your hints in. Mm. Yeah, I can understand so, that. The hint system was a bell in the first area that when they needed a hint, they would ring the bell and then the game master in full costume in character would just walk into the room and interact with you and give you clues and help. Oh, I would love that. So like the one I went to, like I would, I would prefer the immersion like that uh, coming from like a D and D background and a tabletop role-playing game background. Like that's my, that's my shit. Like I would, that sounds incredible. <laughs> I've never been it to was one, incredible. but that's And people people interact so so interestingly with you when you're in character with them. Some of them <laughs> get in character with you and will like play along and will kind of be, you know, put on try to fake a British accent with you or stuff. Cause I, I did a British accent when I did my character. Um, who was Detective Inspector Fox. That was <laughs> okay. my character. Um and some people would try to make see if they could get you to like break immersion and try and would like say so where's that a ando character you know like yeah and i have no idea who you're talking about i'm detective inspector fox you know that kind of thing <laughs> yes. um and i even had one time where the there was uh, a group that had that i had just finished helping them out and what i was helping them with actually it was opening the door to the final area so i was kind of hanging back so i could just make a discreet exit to let them explore the new area they had just opened Okay. And it was like, I, I don't know if it was like all like a couple of families or just a bunch of friends, but there was like a few adults, some kids. Um, and one of the adults hung back with me <laughs> and then like reached into his pocket and then pulled out a $20 bill. And he's like, I'll tell it is like, this is yours entirely. If you tell me how to beat, if you tell me how to win the game oh, and that's cheating. like, and it's like for a split second, they're like, I can make an easy free $20 on this and no one would know. It's just a tip, you know, yeah. like I could do this. And I drew myself up with all of the 18th and 19th century dignity that I could muster. And I, and I said, sir, I am above taking bribery and I am shocked at you. I will forget that this incident has ever happened. And I just walked away. Yes. That's yes. That is beautiful. I appreciate that so much. Uh, I bet he was caught totally off guard. He's probably, I don't know. I feel like if, if I were that guy, I'd feel a little ashamed too. Like, I don't know. You, 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 <laughs> You're cheating. Like You're there to have fun. I know, right? Uh, that's too much. <laughs> yeah, I've never been to an escape room. I'm gonna They're have fun. to. We'll have to do one one day. Maybe for the podcast. Yeah, we'll do it. That'd be a blast. Yeah, you know, as a uh, if it were in the uh, the after times after uh, after some vaccination gets in play, that'd be another thing that I would love to like do on <laughs> on oh, location. Sure. Yes, especially considering that I have a very good escape room record. Is in I am I am not single handedly because I'm it's it's the teamwork, but yeah. I technically have not been part of a group that is lost yet. So, so. not that you have to reveal anything, but. Coming from a background of you know being a game master, do you know? Are there like some general like tips and tricks that you might have when it comes to helping oh, totally. solve pretty much any escape room? Oh, totally. And I mean, there's articles about this kind of thing too. And it's been actually a while since since I you know have been part of that industry, yeah. so I may be a little rusty. But some some good general tips are that are, are a 
hints do not penalize you. Do not be that. Oh, we don't. We shouldn't try to use hints. Use your hints. It's a good tip. They're the only thing that are keeping the timer from being a big deal are the hints. Yeah. Use them. If you're stuck on something and spinning your wheels for more than like two minutes, use a hint. <laughs> okay. Um, that's, that's one of them. Another one is things that are there for a reason. It's not that there's mm. never any red herrings in escape rooms. And it's not that you can't misinterpret things because I've seen both of those things as well. But okay. for the most part, if it is something that is kind of an obvious thing, treat it as an obvious part of the room and don't ignore it. Because I've seen that happen yeah. all too commonly as well. It's like, you know, ignoring things that are very clearly a piece of the puzzle somehow. Even Say, if it's just Occam's razor. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. And the other thing that I would say is that an, imp an important thing is that not everybody needs to do everything. Division of labor is important, and it's it's kind of important to also, as you gain access to a new area of the room, or like open a box or a drawer, or basically get access to something that was previously closed off and locked, mm -hmm. look at everything you just got. Because the basically, the, the thing that you have to do when you first uh, enter the room is find your entry point, because most escape rooms are somewhat linear. There oh. are puzzles that you have to beat before you can beat other puzzles. And if you're spinning your wheels on a puzzle that you need five clues to, to, to solve and you've only gotten three of them, you cannot solve it. And trying to skip it in, and solve it early is not going to help you. Being clever and trying to outsmart the people who designed yeah. the room is only going to lead to further confusion later in the room when you're missing something that you could have learned earlier. That's so basically... A great tip. Look at everything that is not locked or tied down or whatever and find your entry point. Find a puzzle that is solvable with whatever you've got when you first walked in the room. And whatever you find from that first puzzle, whatever you get from that first box or drawer or the first new room, whatever, follow that thread linearly. Okay. And then like the the last of the sort of general hints that I'll that I'll give you here is rather than trying to take a lock and saying hey i found a padlock that takes four digits let's look for a four digit number there's four digit numbers everywhere <laughs> and none of them are going to be relevant except for one of them oh wow mm -hmm. rather find clues find pu solve puzzles get an answer to something then find where that something goes because if you've got all that you need to solve a puzzle and it gives you a three-digit code now you know i'm looking for a three-digit combination padlock somewhere yeah. you know look for what you're given don't tr take something that you don't know how to solve it yet and just try and intuit the answer the clues will come to you if you do it in the right order so there you go there's a few tips there's more i could offer but that's kind of a good baseline i was gonna say that's a good solid foundation in my opinion for somebody that's done an escape room i'm not gonna say i have a whole lot of experience with them but that would have helped a lot i mean we we did solve our escape room but still we would have solved it a lot faster with something like that because we divided up and we were doing the same thing man we would like we'd sit here and be like okay we need five pieces of this puzzle and we, that like we'd focus on trying to find the five pieces not realizing that we needed to solve it kind of like you said linearly in in, in a in a sequence and steps 
Um, Three of those puzzle pieces were probably locked in boxes or drawers or yep. things. <laughs> they were. <laughs> I feel like that's so valuable. I mean, going into it, I would have just went into one blind, but having that as a yeah. foundation, now I'm I'm ready to go to one now. Yeah, they're, do it. Yeah, oh, they're a lot of fun. Tell Amanda sent you. <laughs> I'll do it. Or Detective Fox. Detective Fox. Yeah, Detective, Detective Fox. Fox. <laughs> They'll go, really? <laughs> so, Josh, I believe you wanted to expound a little bit upon uh, Andocon. Yes, I am fascinated. Yeah. Ever since Trey told me about Andocon, I want to know what happened. <clears throat> uh, what happened when you and Trey met up, and how the how Andocon started, what the inspiration for it was, how you were able to pull that off. Because uh, I've got no clue. Trey was there. I would like to uh, hear more about that. Uh, see, the two of you just keep asking these nice, beautiful, open-ended questions, and it's like this entire episode <laughs> is going to be me talking, which is like, I'm okay with it, but uh, you should know what you're got you here for. <laughs> okay, so I will try to take this epic-length story down to something that is less epic in length, because the origins of Andocon go back to when I was in college. Okay. All right. Really, depending on how you look at it, they go back to my childhood, because... Oh, wow. Andocon started because I am a gamer. That's okay. really what it boils down to. And uh, my family and I, you know, I did get started on your your standard that you'd expect from most people. You know, I'm a child of the of the 80s and 90s. So, like, I played my Monopoly and Clue and Scrabble. And um, I'm not sure if Triominoes is one you've heard of, but that's one my family liked to play. Um, I'm not familiar. Anyway. Triominoes? Like dominoes? Yeah, tri Yes, except that the pieces are are triangles and they have numbers on oh. three sides. Okay. Yeah. So I got started with those kinds of things. And when I was in college, that's when I started getting exposed to what I now call gateway games. That's where Shea Geek and Munchkin and uh, Apples okay. to Apples and Blocus. Those are some of the ones that I got my start on back in college. Um, and... Uh, when I was facing down graduation, I was depressed because I had so many friends and I became, I, my social life in college was, I was the person that no, was known for always wearing Hawaiian shirts, uh, unless it was winter, then I was wearing hoodies. Okay. And when I would walk into the room, people would shout my name in excitement because I brought the board games. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. nice. And I was popular for being the one that introduced people in the student center to board games. And people had a lot of fun with my games. So I started getting really depressed as I was facing down graduation because I'm like, I'm going to be working full time now. I'm not going to be I'm going to miss playing games with my people, you know? Yeah. So um, the the fiance now wife and I uh, made our attempts to mitigate that a bit by throwing parties at our apartment after I graduated and got settled in and would have all, you know, all, all day Saturday, people would come over and play games at the apartment felt a lot like the old student center days. It was a lot of fun. Okay. It Sounds is relevant to note. My first full-time job was working for Allstate insurance company. <laughs> okay. Um, I, again, programmer, not insurance agent. Yeah. Um, and I worked in the Southeast regional office, which takes care of Georgia, Alabama and North and South Carolina. Um, and that's really all that I was involved in. And all I was doing was working on websites for like the employees and sales leaders, not even the agents. Um, but as it 
as it happens, of course, you do get to interact with people from other regions. And I made friends with a developer from the New York regional office and someone from the Northwest regional office uh, who lived in Seattle. Okay. Uh, who also were both gamer geeks like me. And just as a joke one time, I invited the guy from New York to come down to a gaming party that, that we were throwing. I didn't think he'd do it because New York to yeah, Atlanta. Say, yeah. Come on. <laughs> he did it. Oh, wow. He and his girlfriend drove like 16 hours oh or whatever. God. In a single day, drove from New York to Atlanta to stay with us for a few days to play games with us in our at our party. And that we is... all had a great time. That's so cool. Yeah, I was... <laughs> <laughs> We had a wonderful time, and uh, after that particular day, he had told me that the guy from the Northwest Regional Office mm -hmm. might also be interested sometime in coming in for a gaming party. So there was a particular weekend that we had planned a two-day gaming party that oh, okay. uh, one of my friends was going to host one day at his apartment, and then the next day was going to be at my apartment. And again, still thinking that it was not going to happen, I invited both Chris and Seth from New York and Washington State. Said, hey, this is the date. It's a couple months away. They booked flights. Oh, wow. I went to the airport and picked them up yes. so that they could come in for this party. Stayed a couple of nights with us. And then on the Sunday morning, as we were driving them back to the airport to fly back out, Seth, from the one who had come in from Washington, yeah. said... This was a lot of fun, Ando. This was great. You should like pe people come in out of from out of town for Dragon Con every year. You should you should do this every year. Have people come in from out of town. Call it uh, I don't know. Call, call it AndoCon or something. And it was just like, <laughs> Bing! That's brilliant. I love that idea. Yeah. Keeping my gaming thing going by a parody of Dragon Con. Cool. AndoCon. It will exist. It'll be this parody of Dragon Con. People will come in. My friends will come in from out of town and we'll, we'll have a couple of days of gaming. It'll just be great big fun. Yeah. This was 2009 when, when this happened. Okay. 2010 and 11 and 12. One of our parties, because we threw multiple parties every year, and this was helped once we moved out of an apartment into a house. That was made a lot easier. That would imagine, um, yeah. We had a party that we designated ah guys this one is andocon so it's gonna be bigger and better you know and it was just a joke yeah. it wasn't any bigger or better but then in 20 uh in 20 2011 i believe was the first year that we did it again playing off the we're making fun of making fun in a you know not in a in a bad way yeah but just, sort of poking just poking fun. fun at dragon con we printed badges <laughs> And nice. we even had little stickers that were achievements that people could unlock that we would stick the sticker on their badge for funny little things, including there was one for just asking what's, what's the, you know, this achievement, can I have this yeah. achievement? It was just ask for this achievement and you get it, you know? <laughs> can we, and so can we hold right there for just a second? Cause I yeah. I'm fairly certain I still have my Andocon badge <laughs> that I want to run yeah. and grab really quick. Okay, go ahead. Right, go give ahead. me one second. I'll be right back. You guys can continue talking. I want to go grab you. You said the word badge, and his eyes just kind of got really big. And he started <laughs> looking around like, oh, I think I've got one. Oh. That is amazing. I love that that is the origin of it is 
Oh, it gets it it gets better. <laughs> I'm I'm super excited to hear the rest of this. That is so cool. <laughs> you said working for Allstate, and I was like, yeah, you know, pretty much lines up with everything you do right now. I mean, totally, <laughs> totally the same. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that is fantastic. I hear Trey running through the house right now. <laughs> I hear the pitter-patter. Trying, trying to find that badge. <laughs> yeah, oh, that didn't take long. He must have known exactly. There it is. So I'm going to oh hold it up to the camera for those to see. So that obviously you're holding it has to be the 2018 badge, which is very much different from the 2012 badge. But um, That is correct. So, yeah, very much. <laughs> So basically, we were just treating it as a fun little parody thing, and we were we were, but we were doing it for the whole weekend. And so it was like Friday night was uh, we actually treated it as a movie night. We had oh, wow. a couple people come over from watch a movie. Saturday would be all day just board gaming, and then Sunday would be all day RPGs. Okay. And um, the big thing that happened that because because at this point it's like okay, so we're seeing how this was a small house event. You know, 50 or fewer people in a house playing yeah. some games for a few days. All right. So how did this become a public gaming convention? I was going to say that I randomly found and <laughs> ended up going to. 2012 Momocon is the answer. Really? Mom Momocon is an anime and gaming convention in Atlanta that started a few years before that. Mm-hmm. And 2012 was actually one of their, I think if I remember correctly, the first year that they went down, that they had it like in the, the Dragon Con hotels in downtown Atlanta instead of just being in the Georgia Tech campus where it started. Really? Yeah. Because I've been to Momocon and it's massive. I didn't realize it was it, still that that new. Yeah, it started in like, I, I, I don't remember the year it began, but it started just as a student thing on the Georgia Tech campus. Really? And it grew, wow. and it has become a huge Southeast event. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's pretty massive. So 2012 was one of the early big years, and Katie May and I, my wife and I, worked uh, the, we, we we knew the the founders of the convention through being in chorus with them. What? And they asked, yeah, the Georgia Tech chorus. Um, and they were asking for help. They needed volunteers. We joined and were, we, we volunteered and were put in the placed in the videography department. Okay. So we helped with taking cameras around to film and stream events that were in like panels and, and concerts and stuff. That's we were part fun. of that team, but that meant that it was our first time seeing kind of the behind the scenes running of a public Ooh. convention. Yeah. Okay. Now we okay. had we had each attended DragonCon a couple of times by this point, but we had never staffed a convention until MomoCon 2012. And we came out of that experience like wow, that was really cool and we met some fun people. Yeah. I'd the imagine. convention running crowd is great. And then I just sort of like looked at her. Literally, I'm like, we're like walking down the sidewalk in downtown Atlanta towards the parking lot, leaving Momocon for the last time in 2012. And I'm like, so I've got this crazy idea. <laughs> Hear me out. Andocon. Right now, it's just this this private little parody of DragonCon in our, in our house. What if, what if we made it a public thing? Took it out of our home and invited, opened it to anyone. Yeah. 
what if? And she's like, what if? <laughs> Let's try it. Let's see what we can do. And so even though our Andocon 2012, you know, was just a couple months later and it was still just a house, you know, thing. Yeah. We had started turning the wheels. And one of the common things because that, that we would do with our house parties, we'd order pizza. And okay. so over pizza, when no one was playing games with their pizza covered hands, I had hmm. index cards and I stood up and I made a speech that I delivered to our friends talking about how this was going to be the final private Andocon. And next year I was going to make it a public thing and bring it to like a hotel or something. And, you know, mark my words and invite your friends. And they laughed at me and they heckled me. Little did they know. Seriously. Like, so they didn't take you seriously is what you're saying. I am saying that they did okay. not take me seriously. And then 2013 wow. rolls around and I rented out the Cobb Conference Center in Kennesaw, Georgia. And I packed it with 200 people. Jeez. On your first over year? The course, over the course of our first public weekend, wow. I there, there were two over 200 people there. Now, it is true that at that point, the pre-registration up to like the up to the, the day itself was free. And even at the door was only five dollars. Yeah, that helps. I know. Yeah, but still, I but mean, that's also, a great turnout for your first first, first one. Yeah, never heard of us before. Yeah, nobody could have ever heard of us before, and we had lots of people that didn't know us. There's like, well, I heard about it online. Sounded fun. I wanted to come. <laughs> now that's, that's great awesome. that it was organic. Some of it. Yeah. And so, 2014, I rented out the uh, Perimeter Marriott, which we were also in in 2015 and 16. Okay. Um, and. Then I took 2017 off, but then in 2018 was the one that Treya I met you at. Yes. Um, and that has turned into our last one. Okay. Um, there were like some reasons why it was kind of tough, and then of course COVID hit, and at this point it's yeah. just it. Yeah, I I do not envision a return of Andocon at, um in my uh, at the current moment. Um, but I mean. Even if it, even if like I kind of suspect it's never going to happen again, like mm -hmm. that's still 13, 14, 15, 16, five public years. Yeah. The, the pinnacle of which was 2016, in which we had 314, I think, people. Or, no, it was more than that. It was, it was over 300, 300 people. Over 300 people. Okay. Yeah. Over 300 people. And that was incredibly fun. So, so that is how Andocon got its start. What an origin um, story. Like <laughs> an amazing origin story. I'm glad I left it open-ended because yeah. that was amazing. Um, so are there any other questions you have about Andocon there? <laughs> well, specifically, I, I don't suppose right now, but I got to know the, uh, the friends who heckled you, did they ever say, wow, I'm sorry? Or yeah, what was their, I was wrong. What was their feedback? <laughs> Uh, well, I don't think that by the time I actually proved them wrong that they remembered that they'd heckled me because I've told this yeah. origin story before and and in the presence of a couple of the people who kind of made fun of me and no one's ever said anything. So either they may not remember or maybe they meant it more good naturedly and they believed in me more than I thought they did. But yeah. all I know is that I got interrupted and 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 kind of la laughed at a lot. And I kind of feel like, hey, who got the last laugh? Okay. Right. <laughs> yes. It, I think one of the coolest part of coolest parts of that story is that you asked your wife what if and she was in full support of it yeah. it sounds like yeah that's amazing I, 
so I think my favorite thing about AndoCon, and this may just be me, is is how personable you are. Like how easy it was to approach you, to talk to you, and now we're friends because of it. And I can't say that about when I've, you know, a number of other, like I can't say that about Momocon. Now granted, there were more people at Momocon, but still, like with two, three hundred people, you didn't have to be that personable. I mean, I, I hung out in your hotel room, like, <laughs> so. Oh, that, to be fair, okay, let, let's be clear about one little thing about that. Yeah. The, you were with Vindicated. True. Vindicated Entertainment was a special guest of Andocon 2018, and that true. mixer was a, was an event that was specifically planned and executed for all of the special guests. So it fair is enough. not as though you didn't have good reason to be there and I didn't have good reason to schmooze. Yeah. But <laughs> that isn't to say that I don't still like it, enjoy going down and being personable in the convention. And I suppose that's one of the, uh, the things, you know, uh, here's a, here's an interesting quote for yeah. you um, that I was just reminded of because apparently it was several years ago on, you know, Facebook gives you the memories of what oh, yeah. posted on a specific day. Apparently recently was the anniversary of me saying this because my wife uh, posted this quote. Um, Modesty is for people who don't have conventions named after them. (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of where I'm at in some at some times, because basically being having the convention with my name literally in the title of it. Yeah. Me as a very obvious figurehead of it, which puts me as you know, that means I have. I, I say it as an obligation, but it's an obligation I cheerfully and and very gladly take upon myself. But of being the face of it, of not only being the one who performs the opening and closing ceremonies yep. to kind of see in and out the convention, but also the one who like makes all of the announcements for mm-hmm. it and makes it kind of like it's it's my my invitation to you, the gamers, essentially. It, I feel yeah. that because my name's in it. And that also puts me in a position where, like, when I've, like, walked through the gaming room, you know, people are like, Ando, Ando, come play a game with us, you know, like, it, yep. which is, you know, that's flattering. <laughs> that's awesome. I was going to say, like, there's, granted, I don't know who made the conventions, you know, who's behind those conventions, but it was cool seeing you walk throughout the convention. It wasn't like you just... <sighs> It wasn't like it was like about the money and you just made this convention and then left and went home or anything. Like you hung out, you <laughs> genuinely enjoyed it. I watched you. I'm mm, I'm fairly certain. Did you do a 2018? Did you do a live? Uh, did you come in and talk on the nerd 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 burger podcast? Because I sat in on that panel and I feel like I remember you coming in there. I did not as much as, as see Nerdburger had you know became one of my perennial guests that would always come and do a live yeah. uh, thing at Andocon, which is part of what I always felt was that as the host of Andocon, I was the host in a yeah. way of the of uh, co-host of the show, and even though I would often be on it, they would let me sort of be like, okay, now people of the people who were in the room, I'd usually try and grab at least a couple of the guests and be like, here, be in the audience, be in this room, so that I can yeah, yeah. call you up under the microphone, you know. And I would do that. In 2018, the only reason I wasn't there the entire time, the only reason that I just darted in briefly, yeah. was um, because that was also one of the, the special events of 2018 was uh, Sean Patrick Fannin, who is uh, That's right. a very well-known and well-respected RPG designer. Um, very cool. Dude. Was Yeah, I, I love Sean Patrick Fannin. He is a great guy. And he was launching the Kickstarter for his <gasps> oh. Freedom Squadron game that weekend. I do remember and- that. 
and he was live. It was a six hour live stream game that uh, of the of Freedom Squadron that coincided with the That's Kickstarter launching. And I was one of the people who was involved in that game. And so we took a break at some point because it happened to be at the same time as the Nerdburger recording. And I wanted both me and Sean to be on it. Yeah. So like we took one of our breaks of the of the game and ran down to the uh, panel room to be on Nerdburger briefly. But then we both had to leave and go back because we were back at That's both of right. the game. So, yes, I was on the Nerdburger podcast, but not as not as long yeah. that year as in previous years because I was busy. Man, I'd forgotten about that launch. Like that was the big topic I remember of Andocon yeah. th- that year was the launch of this Kickstarter. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. We need to uh at some point have him on if he would be down. He's he does a lot of uh Kickstarters and things like that. Like okay. yeah, like like Ando said, very well known. So that would be kind of neat. That'd be amazing. But uh yeah, I I don't know. That was such a cool year. As far as like going down there, that was honestly one of my first conventions, Ando. Um, I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. It was probably my second or third one with Vindicated. Um, and, and overall, I'd never been to a convention really before that. So um, I don't know. I just appreciate, like, I get that we were special guests, but I mean, being able to see you throughout the convention, there were a couple of little just uh, things that you helped us out with that I remember um, just being a, a gracious host, I should say. Um, I'm very glad I got to meet you, I got to meet uh, David Pendragon. Um, he's another mm-hmm. game designer. Oh, God, I love David Pendragon. <laughs> yes, oh, he's so funny. I so we hung out with him and uh, oh, what's his name? Um, oh, the guy that he does uh, Empire Games with is it Spanky? Spanky, thank you. I, I couldn't think of his name. We hung out with them most of that weekend. Oh, um, cool. which yeah, I really remember cool. you guys were both of you, the, the, the empire group and the uh, vindicated group were very tight knit during that, which was cool. Oh, Cause yeah. I loved all of y'all. And I was just like, group hug. <laughs> yes. It's a picture of our group hug. <laughs> yes. I think I had that as my uh, cover photo on Facebook for quite a while. <laughs> I, I did too. <laughs> so uh, I had a huge grin on my face during that one At, before real quick about 2018's Andocon and Vindicated you're right that I helped y'all out a little bit I I think that I surprised Vincent a little bit because obviously I was part of planning things with Vincent as far as like uh you know where y'all were going to be and what yep. time you needed to be places and that kind of stuff but getting on I getting on site I think that there had been a mix-up or something because like on Friday really really early while I was still kind of running around trying to get all of my ducks in a row yeah somebody had like came and got me and it's like one of the guests is having a problem they're being you know basically I understand why any guest who doesn't know the convention runners basically like being assertive and firm we need our stuff taken care of because yeah. I like went and met and I like I I want to be careful how I word this because I love Vincent. <laughs> I know where you're going. Yeah, it's yeah. not that I felt that he was being rude or short or curt or whatever, but it was just like he kind of he was just being firm and assertive of this is what we need. And, th- and I was just like, yeah. absolutely, you're right. Let's get it. Yeah, I like getting one of my minions to come you know, do a thing. <laughs> and it's just like his attitude almost immediately shifted to, oh, oh, you're reasonable. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, I don't right. have to. <laughs> So that was just it, it, I like kind of saw the the mode change to where oh I don't have to you know be uh be be you know curt to get what to get some attention I can actually yeah. just say hey I need something and it'll get done I don't have to play games I can just be myself yeah so I, okay, know, I think one of you was about to ask me something sorry Josh no you're fine uh yeah so I know DragonCon has DragonCon in the wrestling world is famous it's like if you want to 
you know, get your name out there a little more, you get mm-hmm. booked on Dragon Con's wrestling portion of it. So I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Dragon Con and wrestling go well together. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. I learned something. Um, so in the future, if <laughs> just by some chance, Andocon <laughs> makes a return, makes the a return re- of Andocon, the return of mm-hmm. Andocon, I, I might happen to know a wrestling promoter <laughs> with a wrestling ring. <laughs> and from, it can travel. It, it, we are more than capable of traveling. And yeah, just throwing that out there. Just <laughs> planting the seed. Just Irish whipping it into the ropes to see what happens, you know. <laughs> Irish whip it into the ropes. That's it. Love it. <laughs> Uh, well, that was the only question that I had was okay. the convention. <laughs> well, you said before we, you know, are done. You did want to also talk about the podcast too. So let's not. Yes, yes. I, I was not. sitting. I was just thinking about where we move to next. And yes, yes the podcast, podcast is yes. the perfect next stepping stone. I think. So, for those of you that are listening, that are watching, and don't know, Ando, please explain to them. Uh, I guess your your podcast, what it is, where they can find it, and and then we'll dive into your inspiration behind said podcast. So, my show. Uh, this is going to give. Uh, I, it's so easy for me to get off on tangents, and I will try not to make this one too long. But <laughs> no, for fine. the sake of understanding, in this modern world, there is there it, we just. There's terminology of podcast has as an umbrella term. Yeah. Podcast can mean a lot of different things. And, you know, everything from this, which is a more talky style interview podcast mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, like play tr- tabletop play uh, game playing podcast, actual yeah. gameplay footage type stuff. And then there's what my show is an audio drama. Yes. They, this is just like your old radio dramas from back in the days of like the forties and fifties and stuff. We're going back to war of the worlds type stuff. And it's a world that I have started to see more of getting into it myself. And my show is called shadows of a dark past. It is a drama that has supernatural creatures like vampires and witches and werewolves and ghosts and stuff. Um, but much, I, the way I like to put it is much like Shaun of the Dead is uh, sort of not really a zombie movie. It's a human movie that kind of happens to happen during a zombie apocalypse. Shadows oh, of a Dark Past okay. is a human story. It just kind of happens to involve some supernatural creatures along the way. I like that. I like that a and, lot. <laughs> and so the the show focuses the main character is a psychiatrist uh, that would call himself a failed psychiatrist a a shitty psychiatrist <laughs> named okay. Mark McCain. Um, he self describes himself that way like that's not just you know <laughs> here's a, me the person who wrote the character saying that's not me yeah. saying it it's totally yeah you know it, it's he Mark would call it because um, my characters do have a life of their own in my mind uh, but anyway uh, he is himself the survivor. Uh, of a vampire attack from his teenagerhood and the show begins as he comes to the shocking realization that there is likely a vampire loose now in his adult life there in the city that he lives in. Okay. And not only is there a vampire, but he also suspects that it is a member of the wealthy and influential family who are the descendants of the founders of the town who are basically, you know, your, your big important celebrity status people who live in the, and he suspects one of them is a vampire. Oh, okay. Nice. And so 
this is literally like first episode stuff. I'm not spoiling a thing. Okay. Um, he it's goes. That's good. Even, even this is not the um the a spoiler. Basically, he goes to confront this guy and finds out that he is in fact a vampire. But Mark's whole thing is he doesn't want to destroy this vampire because he is not convinced that vampires are inherently evil, Ooh. and he thinks that there is the possibility there's still some good in this vampire, and so he wants to interview him to learn about him, basically to find out are you a threat and what to do with that. Okay. And that's kind of the launching point from which the rest of the show goes. So can I can I dive into that for a second as far as like characters? So we were talking about earlier in the podcast, for those of you that may just be tuning in, about Ando and their, uh, their storytelling elements and how when you write songs, you add kind of a personal touch. It's, it's very personal to you. So with with uh, I suppose the vampire and Mark seeing into this vampire saying, well, maybe they're not inherently evil. Is there anything I guess would, would do you see yourself in kind of those characters? Have have you presented yourself uh, as far as into your writing? Is, does that come from more of a personal background, almost like a personal anecdote? <laughs> oh, Trey, oh, Trey, oh, Trey. <laughs> so say, do you believe I'd that say you are inherently evil? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Let's put it this way. If you look at the characters in Shadows of a Dark Past, because as you go throughout the first season, there's more than just the two characters, although they are the obvious two lead characters. There are it is hard for me to easily think of a character that is not some representation of me or my psyche. Okay, like like Mark. Mark, in some ways, represents my sort of pragmatism and just kind of like some some amount of the 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 trying to recover from a traumatic event mm-hmm. and or or series of traumatic events basically just kind of someone who's been beat up by life a bit and has made a couple of mistakes in life and is basically just trying to have a relatively normal life but shit keeps happening okay so that's kind of where where I am in him Andrew, the vampire, represents me more directly as sort of a a personality-wise. If I were literally in this world, I sort of see myself as him. Okay. Um, And I would say that there's some element of struggles that I have had with self-esteem, self-loathing, self-flagellation. Yeah. um, And seeing myself worse than I really am, that is part of what I pour into Andrew. I mean, turned up higher than I have it on myself, but yeah, like, yeah. those are the kinds of things that go into Andrew. And there are other characters that I don't really want to spoil things for, but basically there are several characters that, that like, uh, just, well, okay. One that isn't a spoiler, Holly Baumgartner, who is the, uh, the, the matriarch of the family. Um, and who in her first appearance on the show, very early, very quickly also guesses that Andrew's a vampire, but also is like, that doesn't make me hate you. I just want to talk to you. Yeah. Um, and there she is sort of, because she is a, a cancer survivor. She's an elderly lady and she is a, a, a weed smoking hippie. And <laughs> she basically doesn't is she's one of those people that has reached a point of no longer giving a shit what people think and just wanting to be herself. Okay. And also seeing the importance of family that you choose over the family that you were born with. 
And I many times get on my personal soapbox about life and the universe and everything yeah. through Holly Baumgartner. That's cool. I, I, so stuff, I love learning stuff like that because it, it just adds so much more to the, in my opinion, to the, to the creation. So I don't know. I, I, I really, I like that. I like knowing that. Having the, the story element there and then having, or the, the the stellar story writing and then going even further to I said the depth that's there that you probably would have no idea. Right. If you hadn't asked. Exactly. But it's one of the things that like you can, I, I based on co- comments and I do mean literally like people who've left reviews on yeah. our, on our like website and stuff. Um, people see a depth of the characters. People have called out a richness and development of them and of the, and, and I'd like to think that it is, precisely because i am putting a lot of my own personal self and psyche and personality yeah. into these characters that's helping them um in addition to of course the amazing cast that i've got like the actors who are with me span everything from complete amateurs who have never done any acting yeah um to people who actually have some decent credits under their belt um and in between I was going to touch on the cast a little bit too, because I know it's it's not just you. How many cast members do you have? In the first season, there are a total, including me, of nine characters wow. uh, voiced. And in the second season, which is in which I'm working on, mm-hmm. I have added uh, two more characters that I cannot wait for people to hear because I love them. And okay, the actors are all. That's so it's a little tease for those that, that there is a second season. It's a little tease there. Oh, you did, like yeah. I've, I've tried to be pretty uh, pretty open about the fact that the, the second season's uh, already gone through a table read and revisions. Oh, nice. We're more than half rehearsed, and I've even done some of the recording for it. It's just that wow. between uh, lockdown and, and some major depressive issues over yeah. the end of last year and earlier this year, I have not been as for, moving as fast as I would have liked on it, but it is in motion. Okay. And Joshua, what were you going to say? Slow motion. <laughs> it's so fascinating that you mentioned that people picked up on the richness and just they really sunk their teeth into the characters because they can see it's real. Yeah. It's just so real. You can't fake that authenticity. That's fascinating to me that, you know, when it's written from that place that mm-hmm. people pick up on that and just completely digest it in a different way. I think people can pick up on real. Like, I, I think yeah. that genuine, just pouring your heart out, I think people... And I guess, I mean, to say it fascinates me, it's just, you don't get that a lot with the way things are watered down. Modern yeah, storytelling. Right. Yeah, I've had it, I've had it definitely called out as being kind of retro, a little old school people yeah. pointed, act like old school point and click adventures on PC. I'm like, ooh, I like the sound of that. That's, That's neat. That's a cool compliment. I like that, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I like that one too. And so let me actually give you a little uh, a little further insight as to why some of that comes across as real as it does, not only because of some of the things that I've added into the writing, but let me brag on the actor who voices Mark McCain, the main okay. character. The actor's name is Carl Childers. Um, I've been a friend of Carl for years now. I met him in 2012. And so it's been, wow, coming up on t- almost 10 years I've known him now. Yeah. And... He was one of my earliest supporters of Shadows of a Dark Past. He was one of the first people to say, I want to be part of this. I like this. I'm on board. And the first time 
after the table read, because I had once I cast everybody, we had a great we had a, a table read of the first season. I did some revisions to the script. Yeah. And then we entered rehearsal mode. And the first time that I went to Carl's house for our first rehearsal session to cover some of our Mark Andrew scenes, I walked in the front door when he opened it and he immediately starts talking about his sister and about his parents. And he's talking about them with a note of sadness and tragedy in his voice and kind of past tense. And then he like points to this, uh, this small table in the entryway of his house where there's like these candles yeah. and he's talking about the memorial. And I'm thinking, wow, have I managed to cast someone who's like so close to his character? He's even got this until I heard him say a name and I realized, no, he's in character right now. What? I walked in the door. He was already in character. Just, 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 just being very, um, all of a sudden I can't, uh, the word escapes me, but improving. He was just yeah. completely improving in character. And he didn't even, and I, it took me a second to pick up on it That's because awesome. he was so into it. And there is, there, there were, hours that he and I spent dissecting scenes that we had together of, all right, now this interchange that we've got, the energy is changing here because now I'm trying to get something from you and you're, you're like trying to keep it from me. So I got to come at you and you've got to kind of speed up and be defensive of me. Like we worked through these things yeah. over and over again. And so when you hear the two of us interacting, it is so rehearsed that it feels natural. Mm. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. What dedication? Yeah, like really. That's... <laughs> Look at you've now talked to me for over an hour. If you can't see the dedication in me at this point, well, to my I, craft. I meant, I meant. Well, of course, you. I was, I was talking more so. Uh, for Carl. Yeah. Yeah, for Carl, because I mean, to 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 open the door and immediately just be in character to the point that the person who created the characters it took them a second to yeah. realize. Oh wait, 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 wait. Okay, you're in character. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, dedication to guts. It's like, I'm just going to jump just gonna right into it. it. Yeah. yeah. Gonna... That's so cool. So, so you asked, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just, I was going to start lead into your inspirations for the podcast. That may have been where Good. you were going. It wasn't. That's better than where I was going. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, last time that y'all talked about me a couple weeks ago, this is part of what I was like, I, 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 want to be able to, to speak more directly to okay. we're correct about the inspirations um it is not in the dark shadows universe it is but not okay the the old tv show dark shadows it was a it was a daily um supernatural gothic soap opera that ran from 1966 to 1971 and i have it as i said it was daily there were um over 1200 episodes oh my i've God. seen them all wow um I got into it when I was a teenager because my mom used to watch it when she was younger and I was homeschooled from fourth grade through 12th. And when she started picking up the reruns on sci-fi channel, when I was a teenager, yeah. I started hearing this stuff coming from downstairs and I'm like, <laughs> what are you watching mom? And she's like, this is dark shadows. This is a cheesy show from when I was a kid. It's weird, but you might like it here. Watch it with me. And I just got hooked. And so you are correct. They did reboot it in the 1990s, uh, briefly. 1991, okay. there was a revival series. It had Ben Cross as the main character, Barnabas. Um, it was actually kind of kind of a star-studded cast on that one, but 
um, it was uh, canceled after only like 12, 13 episodes. Oh, well, a damn wow, shame. Okay. It's a really yeah. good show. I've, 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 of course, seen all of that multiple times. There's some standalone movies from the 70s. And then, of course, in 2012, Burton and Johnny Depp uh, made an abomination that they called <laughs> Dark Shadows. I was and wondering your the, take on it. The characters are named the same as characters from Dark Shadows. Yeah. And some of the things are said. It's, eh, it's okay. really not dark shadows um anyway um my the origin of shadows of a dark past see i've, I've given you I've, this is your third origin story for the day <laughs> the origins of shadows of a dark past came from when i was a teenager watching dark shadows with mom okay i started having this idea of what if during the time period where the, the vampire barnabas collins was released from his coffin in 1897 what if he bit somebody, thought he killed them, didn't know they actually became a vampire too. They got depressed and kind of removed themselves from the Dark Shadows like timeline till the show was over so that I wouldn't run into any conflicts with any of the existing characters. Okay. But at some point in the future timeline of this show, what if that vampire came back to the Collins home and basically tried to do the same thing Barnabas did and ingratiate himself as a family member? And so I wrote oh. what amounted to a 300-page fan fiction set in the Dark Shadows universe that was called Shadows of a Dark Past. Oh, that's cool. And, and it, Yeah, okay. And it had Mark McCain, Andrew, although it was Andrew Collins, not Clayton. Basically, the, the, some of the names, some of the characters you might recognize the origins of, some of them I changed or removed or whatever. Okay. But it was in the Dark Shadows universe, so you could count it as a fan fiction. Like I said, 55 chapters, 300 pages long. Throughout my life, I would go back periodically and reread portions of it. And the older I got and the more life experience I got, the more cringy I found my story. <laughs> okay. And I kept thinking to myself, I can do better now. I can do better now. I'm a better writer. I've got more life experience under my belt. I can do better now. And somewhere in late 2016, early 2017, I was trying to think how I could even approach rewriting a 300 page long story. Yeah. That was about the time that Katie May and I started getting into listening to audio dramas. And it hit me in much the same way that the Andocon idea hit me that same like light bulb moment yeah. oh my god i could do it as a podcast and i was so excited by that that within the next couple of days i'd written a proof a draft a proof of concept of the first episode which if you've listened to the first episode of the the actual what i released as shadows of a dark past you know it start the first half of the first episode is mark mccain drunkenly rambling <laughs> yeah the first episode in my original proof of concept was an entire episode of nothing but him rambling and telling more of his origin story in the process of doing so. Um, okay. And it was all in the Dark Shadows universe. And I wrote nine episodes in the Dark Shadows universe until I started getting the feedback from some of the people who I was starting to get involved in the project that 
maybe you might want to not have it in the Dark Shadows universe, you know, okay. just in case the rights holders might have something to say about that. That's a good and point. I was all prepared saying, oh, no, 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 I want this to be officially sanctioned. I will ask permission. I will contact the rights holders. I will do it right. And I got the feedback of you could and you <laughs> may even get it. But if so, you will be essentially bound to whatever those rights holders may require of you in order for it to be approved into their universe. Yeah, right. And I didn't see that as a crutch because I'm like the whole conceit of this is that it's in the Dark Shadows universe without the importance of Barnabas Collins. What point is there even to this story? Yeah. But sometimes you know how it is when somebody gives you advice that you don't want to hear because you know it's good advice yeah and you don't want to admit that they're right because it's more work but deep in your heart you know they're right that's what i started having happen and i realized that as much as i hated doing it they were right i needed to make it original so even though there is still a whole lot of homage yeah to it and you can feel the atmosphere is very like anyone who knows the original dark shadows will be able to kind of feel some of the same atmosphere but it is still an original series that's awesome yeah so just just a random question pertaining to this i know you said uh reading back on your 300 page story and kind of cringing a little bit do you think there ever would be like, uh, are you going to look back at, at shadows of a dark past one day and maybe think I can do better. Are you still going to keep that same? Like, I guess, I guess the question is how far do you plan on taking it? And then like, it is, it, do you see an end point? Like, Oh, I'm going to do three seasons and then I'm done. Or is it always going to be like, I'm just going to work on it throughout for as long as I can. And I'm just going to keep getting better and improving. Hmm. Well, to the point about, will I look back as I, you know, as the, as time passes while well, I look back on it and, and cringe at what I've got now, maybe not cringe, but you know, say I can do better. Yeah. Almost undeniably. I can say the answer will be yes, because I am a perfectionist <laughs> and I am never going to be entirely satisfied with my own work. And I'm always going to be saying I can probably do better. And part of this whole like past few years span of my life trying yeah. to make shadow of the dark past happen has been largely an exercise in letting myself be satisfied when it's enough, you know? And yes, I can that. then to the point of how far am I going to take it? That is an extremely good question that I have thought of before. Okay. The original 300 page story took place over the course of five years of time. Oh, wow. There. Okay. There were big spans of like uh, months past where nothing happened. That was basically if I ran out of steam on a, like a story <laughs> arc, I'd use that to kind of put some separation and start a new story arc. Okay. <laughs> um, and so as I approached trying to plan this audio drama, I thought, well, five is kind of a nice round number. Mm-hmm. Five feels good. You're not really overstaying. You're welcome. Not, you know, wearing yourself thin on ideas, leave them wanting more, plenty of room for expansion in ways that are not other official seasons. Yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. And at the, but at the same time, I don't want to, too prematurely lock myself into any particular course of action. So here's what I've thought of 
this is where I'm landing so far. Somewhere in my mind, I've got a soft, flexible default of trying to cap it around five seasons. Okay. That's my default. If I keep going and it actually kind of like takes off and people are saying, don't stop. And I've got good ideas. Yeah. I'm willing to stretch that a little further. Um, but I also don't want to end up doing the scraping the bottom of the barrel thing yeah. that some shows get to where it's like, okay, the novelty is worn off and you should have ended this it show two is seasons ago. Like, yeah. Like I don't want to be that. So I want to have the self-awareness of knowing when I've given enough that I'm not overstaying my welcome and let it in there. And part of the reason that I feel confident being able to do that is I've given myself this other outlet that I have not pulled a trigger on yet, but it's a thing that I've got conceptually up here okay. called Chronicles of a Dark Past Ooh, okay. that I see as a separate side project that is contained in the same universe, but essentially Shadows of a Dark Past as a show is kind of revolving around the Mark and Andrew story arc. Okay. Like the two of them are the main characters and the Clayton family, if you will. That's the main focus of Shadows of a Dark Past. That isn't to say that there aren't other interesting characters yeah. that perhaps merit a bit of expansion on their own. And... So I have this notion of, and, and I've already got the first one of them planned, that my hope is it'll come between the second and third seasons of Shadows of a Dark Past. Because I've got the entire script for the second season finished, and I'm just, you know, working through the rehearsals and recording sessions. Okay. The third season, I have a high-level overview of the main plot arcs I want to tell, and I've got a first draft of the first episode, but I don't have anything more. And I don't have anything further than the vaguest notions of what i might do for a fourth season okay but in the third season there's a character i'd like to introduce that i have this notion that i'm going to introduce them between seasons two and three by having a three-part standalone chronicle of a dark past that introduces this character so that when they show up in season three of shadows of a dark past you kind of already know who they are and this chronicle don't have to also be like a sorry well, I was just going to say that that way I won't have to do a ton of exposition drop in the episode that intros this character. You can just yeah. say, hey, if you haven't already and want to know more about this character, go back and listen to the uh, three-part chronicle that, that introduces them. Go check gotcha. out this little accessory. That's what I was going to ask, yeah. if, it, if the chronicle was going to be a written or if it was going to be audio drama as well. Audio. audio. I've already, uh, like I said, it's going to be three parts, and I've already written one and a half of those parts. And I've okay. already even cast the role, which is way getting ahead of myself, but it's part <laughs> Because the 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 actor I've chosen for that role is actually one who already is part of the cast, just has an extraordinarily small part, and I'm like, you deserve better. I've got you a better part that you can also do, which well, is nice. fine for yeah. me. Because Dark Shadows, another part of the uh, cheesy allure for those <laughs> of us who appreciate the cheese of Dark Shadows, is. That's that there was time travel quite a bit in Dark Shadows, forward, backward, and sideways into parallel universes. Okay. And the funny thing is that actors would usually play their own ancestors. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, nice. 
So having a, a single actor playing multiple parts, especially if those parts were related to each other. Oh, yeah. that's just, uh, that's, that's dark shadows. That's yeah, classic. Of course. So that's what I do. <laughs> okay. I really like that structure on, you know, not necessarily going to end at season five. It's not a hard and fast time period, yeah. but giving yourself that flexibility as time goes along, giving you the flexibility and giving you a goal. Like a lot of people start writing and do stuff and they don't really have an end goal in mind to have that ending and that kind of like the wherewithal to be like, okay, I could end it here. Like, I think that's important because some people like, there's nothing worse than getting like now, obviously this goes to like TV or something, being like five seasons in and then you get canceled or something. And then you have to finish it and wrap it up. And you're like, well, I didn't want to end here. Like it's nice knowing and going forward, hey, this is going to be where I'm going to end, ish. Yeah, you know, having a rough, yeah, a rough outline, I should say. One of the things that I will admit to, though, that uh, I am still s- translating, you know, storylines from the original Dark Shadows fan fiction, yeah, you know, prose narrative into an audio drama or an original audio drama. You know, some of the storylines I'm not going to bring across. Some of them I am, but I'm tweaking them because I yeah. can do the better job. One thing that I have tried to maintain as much as possible is kind of the and avoid trying to avoid spoilers here, but essentially some of the conflict between Andrew and one of the main and pretty much the main antagonist of okay. the of the show uh, of the story. And I am bringing across, you know, essentially that antagonist. Um, but the final confrontation of the story, the written story mm-hmm would be extremely difficult to translate to audio only. Okay. Because it involves a lot of magic casting and a lot of like chasing each other through corridors and setting fire to things. And it ends with a confrontation in a, in a burning living room that is kind of difficult to get across in an audio format. So I'm still kind of in the process of figuring out how to translate the ending to audio and how the, the ending of it is actually going to be. Because it's one of those things that even if I do kind of have flexibility about where it is, it's all going to be the filler part. There is still an overall ending kind of point that I, that will be the ending no matter what. It's just a matter of what path will I take to arrive there. Okay. That's fascinating. That process, that creative process and everything. I'm just, I'm just sitting here soaking it all in. I'm just being a fan. (laughs) Well, so that was going to be my next question for those that are watching and listening that have never done this before and are thinking, well, it's just you get a bunch of people in front of a microphone and then you kind of, you know, you say your lines and edit it down. What what goes into producing Shadows of a Dark Past? Like what 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 does that process kind of look like if you could run through it really quick? Well, really quick, I'll try. Well, just um, in your in your as yeah, well in as my you way, can. yeah. <laughs> so, so basically, not all audio dramas are the same, and I know that my process is very different from some of the other because I've made friends with a lot of other of the audio drama producers, and I yeah. know my way is kind of unusual. The way that I do it is um, that I've got you know I've got the script, we do a table read do rehearsals and then we start recording and I try very hard to get really good audio with my recording, which part of the reason I got into this and have some of the equipment I have is I actually worked for a while as uh, as an audio recorder for some indie movies. That's how I met Carl. Oh, oh wow. Um, okay. And so I'm kind of used to a more filmmaking school of, uh, of audio 
uh, work. So I, I, you know, focus on getting good, clean audio and everybody is on their own individual microphone so that I've got a separate track for each individual person. Nice. Okay. And then what I did to produce it was I took, after we had like, I'd, I'd taken enough takes of a scene that would be satisfied. I would listen to all of the takes and I would mark in my script file, which takes which which takes versions of the lines I wanted to use in the final version. Oh, that's and then a good way I to pulled do up it. I pulled up Audacity and and imported all the files and basically stitched it together in some cases like highlight copy this, you know, this version of this line and paste it over, you know, this version instead. You yeah. know. Um I took care of all of that part of it, of just putting the the correct takes that I wanted to use since I'm the director. Um, then I had a, a separate composer named Trace Callahan who wrote all of the incidental scene mood music that you hear in the middle of episodes. She did not write the, um, the theme song. That was a different friend of mine. Um, but they were the, uh, the, the, that music. And so they would send me files that would be like, you know, because because I sent them the uh the the stitched together like here's the here's the the vocals yeah. you know it's the the raw audio and then they would write the music and then I would put that in and then my uh I would take it to my audio engineer David Ortiz um, okay and he would be the one who added the sound effects or foley depending on if you're in the industry or not yep I, um, yep and would do the like leveling and making sure that things actually sounded good and and like doing interesting things like if someone's leaving a room then moving the footsteps from like one side to the other so if you're listening over headphones you can hear the footsteps moving yeah um and honestly that is a big part of why it sounds as good as it does because david ortiz is really good and takes a lot of pride in his work and wouldn't give me stuff that was half-assed he would only give it to me if it was actually really good work well it's cool that he didn't just slap some sound effects down and go here you go yeah like (laughs) he took the time to 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 make it make dynamic and I lost count of how many times he told me. So I didn't already have insert sound effect I had requested in my episode. Yeah. Already in my sound library. So I just recorded it myself. I just made know. it. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and even here's some attention to detail. In in the first episode, um, Mark pours himself a drink at the very beginning of it. And you hear him throw ice in his glass and pour his drink. Yeah. That's not ice. What is because it? Because because David was recording it for me and he basically said that the interesting thing is if you actually use real ice, mm-hmm. the, the harshness of the clink is like too much. Oh, frozen strawberries. What? Frozen strawberries. He recorded himself tossing frozen strawberries in a glass and pouring liquid over it because that <sighs> actually, when you record it, sounded better than real ice cubes i love stuff like like the little tips and tricks that they do like broken bones you like snap celery or something like i love stuff like that and uh just i don't know i I also love just little easter eggs like that like that's a fun thing to know now when i go and listen to that (laughs) to know like he did that with frozen strawberries that's not glass or not (laughs) ice in a glass like i don't know that's a cool it's just a neat little just a little treat you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, 
I also didn't realize that you had somebody that composed the music for you, which is really cool. Yeah, it's all original. All of the so the theme song was was actually written by my friend Michael Tatum, okay. who who as a tieback to the very first thing we talked about at the at the the thing at the of this episode, talking about the Cobb Wrestling fans kayfabe. Yes, my friend Michael Tatum, who wrote the theme music to Shadows of a Dark Past, is also the one who won the first inaugural CWF predictions championship belt. And it was him that I took the pictures of smacking him in the back with a chair. What a callback. Like, yeah, <laughs> that, really? That's, that's awesome. cool. So he wrote the, he wrote that and that went through its whole, whole process of going back and forth and like, the, how does the sound? Okay. Do this with it. You know, how does the sound do this with it? That kind of stuff. Yeah. But then with trace, I just kind of, I had in my script, like, you know, Music begins lifting slowly in here. It's moody music, you know, that kind of stuff. And yeah. I would send them to them and they would just listen to the 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 audio, the the, the dialogue, which at this point was already done. Mm-hmm. And I would just get back a, hey, Ando, here's a, here's the thing. I had a lot of fun writing this one. And she, and yeah, you know, they'd give me a, some of the like tips or, or like how they had come across writing that particular bit of it yeah and then i like listened i'd like put it i'd like bring it into audacity put it under there and i like listen to it and almost every time i'd like just start crying and be like it's so beautiful <laughs> it fits That's so awesome. perfect so it's all completely original music just composed explicitly for shadows of a dark past and there is a project that has just been kind of on hold because of again mental issues yeah but Trace and I are working to also release a soundtrack. Oh, yes. Okay. Very cool. We're, we're of course, codenaming it Soundtrack of a Dark Past, which may or yeah. may not stick. But, I mean. That's just, it's a good, I mean, if anything, a placeholder for now until you, if you do come up with something. But it's still not a bad name. No, it's not. It's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I also, I appreciate your attention to detail as far as writing. Like, I don't know. I've 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 done some audio drama stuff myself and I've never once thought writing in start uplifting the music. Like I, I never once have I thought to write in like the music and where I think it should start. That always for me happens just in post. Like I start listening and I like I've I've got all the lines recorded and I go, "Oh, I should probably throw in music here. This is probably where it should sound good." Like I appreciate that you you thought of that beforehand and have like I don't know. It's 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 a it's a cool process and a way to do it. It, it was very rewarding at the time too, because it felt like maybe because I, I had like some, I had most of the music cues already written into the script because of things that I knew I would want to hear. Yeah. But after Trey started giving me some of the stuff, I'm like, I like your work enough. Can I like add a few more places that I now realize I'd like music that there wasn't? And they were like, sure, I don't mind. So I'm, I went oh, back nice. into the script and I added, and there were like four or five uh, pieces that I added after the fact that they just kept going right on and writing. And it's just so good. Very cool. Any, let's see, anything else you want to dive into before we get to the end and wrap up? Anything Ando uh, that we didn't talk about that maybe you can think of that you'd like to mention or dive into? Well, so I, I maybe just to let you have a little insight into some other projects that I have got okay. uh, in mind that just haven't moved very far yet. Um, because of the, uh, because I 
kind of burst into the audio drama scene last year, I started meeting other producers who were doing other dramas and I've befriended some of them. I've actually, uh, earlier uh, over the end of last year to the beginning of this year, I ran a D and D campaign for four other of my podcasting peers, which was a lot of fun. Um, one, but some of the projects, there's two projects that I want to let you know about that I'm hoping to, you know, to, to take forward. One of them is a big group project that got talked about last October and it just didn't come together in time. But there are several of us audio drama creators who are who are talking about doing a, a an anthology series called Gr- Gruesome Grimoire. Ooh, that, I like uh, I love alliteration. <laughs> that would basically be like a an evil haunted carnival. And the various episodes are like different people's experiences or perspectives. And each of those episodes would be created, written, and produced by a different one of us audio drama creators. Please let me know when you start to like, because I want to listen to that. (laughs) That that sounds incredible. I have a weird thing with like dark carnival settings. I love it. Mm. I love that spooky just atmosphere and just a good audio drama. So please keep me up to date on that. (laughs) And like I said, we were thinking about it last October because we're thinking, Oh, if we could put this together, we could do it for Halloween. But it just, we didn't have enough time to uh, too many of us were too busy with other things and we just couldn't make it work. But you know, we'll see how these next year or two goes. And if so, that's something I was in, I was part of sort of the, the creative leading team of that, trying to keep it driving. Okay. Um, and then another one that I had uh, that I, um, it's it's very much in the the up here in my head, and I just haven't gotten a draft of it out on paper or anything yet. Yeah. But I've I've got an outline, and I really want to move on it because it's kind of like Shadows of a Dark Past in that it is another thing that is an adaptation of a story I wrote when I was younger that I feel like I can do better now but not near as long and it (laughs) is not a fan fiction it was a short story that i wrote way back when that was only like a dozen or so pages maybe less yeah um and so i've got it in mind to just be a three-part standalone little a three and done okay um but it's called at cape clear which if you're not already aware of this at uh cape clear is a real place it is a very very small island off the southwest of ireland I did not know that. Okay. Fascinating. And the story is set, uh, well, the original story was set entire, pretty much entirely on it. My new version would kind of start next to it, get on it, get off it a little bit because it's a little bit different. But um, okay. part of the notable, um, in addition to just it's another of my story ideas, is it would also be a collaboration. One of the other friends I made was uh, a, an Irish podcaster who produces – um, a show called The Green Horizon, which is a great sci-fi comedy. Okay. Um, and uh, he is interested in helping me uh, with like some of the production stuff with that. So it would be another collaborative thing. Well, that's cool. Would he? Would he like? Would he voice anything? Um, my, I, I've got a small part that I would like for him to voice. Yes. Okay. Uh, but it would be a bit more of a consultant because I am just a silly American and I'd like him an actual <laughs> Irishman to make sure that I don't do anything, you know, disrespectfully, not that I would do it yeah. intentionally, but obviously just, just a gut check, say, Hey, Ando, you shouldn't do this. Yeah. That wouldn't or, really Hey, maybe, and, and I, I see where you're coming from, but it actually would work this way in our culture. You know, I could, I could, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. So that's kind of stuff that I've got coming down the pike, but it's like that 
because of just life, I haven't been able to move very much on some of those projects. So that's fine. I mean, work when you can and you know, yourself, you yourself come first always. Um, that's that's what I'm trying to do. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's good. You don't want to force it when you're not in that, you know, creative state of mind or yeah. You know, I, I saw understand a, that. I think a TikTok the other day, somebody talking about like the creativity and how it's good to have that lull. Like it's, it's a good thing to be kind of down, you know, take a, almost take a break, a breather and to kind of reset your mind. Um, yeah, so absolutely. I could, I could see that. I like that. Taking a step back is always a, a healthy, yeah. you know, whether it was on purpose or not, it can be, <laughs> yeah. it can be healthy and, yeah. Yeah. you know, put some new perspective on it. What, Hey, what's up, you guys? Just me tonight. Um, so let's go ahead and dive into our gift card giveaway. So we have uh, four entrants for this week's episode. Um, we've got Fernanda L., Lady Spucaria, Liz, and Jesus. Uh, now, there were a couple of other entrants, but those have already won, So, um, or at least won within the past like three or four weeks, so we went ahead and excluded them. So let me go ahead and uh, swap over to my random number generator here, and we want four people to pick from, so let me step over to the camera really quick. So the number we got is three, which corresponds with Liz. So Liz, you are this week's Amazon gift card winner. Congratulations, Liz. Thank you to everybody else that's liked and retweeted our post. And if you would like to be entered into our Amazon gift card giveaway, all you have to do is like and retweet our pinned post each week for each episode and give us a follow so that we can DM you details. Um, Other than that, let's get back to us and Ando. Well, I've had a blast just listening. Like this has been amazing. I can't wait to. We've got what three, three origin stories. Mm-hmm. Got... Three origin stories, almost two hours of me talking. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, but that's why we have you. I I enjoyed. It. Hopefully, the listeners enjoyed it as well because I had a blast. Yeah, I like, mean, I hope so. it was a lot of fun for me too. I you, you guys asked some really interesting questions. I I I appreciated the the things that you asked me. Well, I didn't want to come on here and ask you those like you know the generic interview questions. Like <laughs> I don't know. I didn't want it. I wanted this to be personal and about you and what it is that you do. And I also want you to tell people where they can find you, where they can listen to everything that you do, that where they could maybe, if they're looking at doing a podcast of their own, how they can maybe consult with you (laughs) and have you help them with what they're doing, um, things like that. So go ahead and uh, take a couple more minutes and plug yourself and let people know where they can find you and so on. Plug away. So uh, I, I wish I could just say that it is as easy as entirely one website, and it kind of <laughs> is. Um, yeah. Basically, where I'm trying to make my hub of activity is the amazingando.com. That is, I've got links to most of the other things that I do there, and uh, but uh, like we see, we've talked about things like my music. I've got my music on the amazingando.com, but it's also on YouTube, which my YouTube channel is the amazingando. So oh, there very you go. Yeah, yeah we'll link these. that. As I say, these will be in the um, show notes and the description, so you guys can click on them. Exactly. Um, as far as my podcast goes, um, it, our website is soadppodcast.com. 
even though you can listen there, I actually like to drive listening tra- traffic towards our pod chaser page. Okay. So that is podchaser.com slash S O A D P podcast. And that's like, basically the reason I do that is that it's like, that is a good centralized point. It's a good place to get reviews consolidated. And it's also our, we've got a merch store and it's linked there. So you can oh, okay. pick up a shadows of the dark past t-shirt, which is the softest t-shirt I've ever had in my life. That's not, just me running you know a, a, an ad or sale or anything i literally do mean that um and uh but but on the 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 shows just soadp dot uh, soadp podcast.com does have a few things like it's got uh, a little bit of an overview of some of the things it's got characters and links to the cast sign db pages and stuff like that oh so okay it, it can be some useful information but i do like to steer listeners towards pod chaser for that okay reason. that's the one we'll link in the description then yeah. And then just kind of in general, um, I am, uh, let's see, I also do, twi- we didn't really land on this, but I do uh, sometimes Twitch stream. I stream on Twitch a bit. Oh, that's right. Um, largely, I do retro video games. I have uh, I have done both, this year I finished both Super Mario RPG and uh, Secret of Mana. Nice. I am intending to go play Earthbound next. I just don't know exactly when I'm going to start that. Okay. But um, my Twitch is twitch.tv slash Ando Valentine. And the last thing that I will tell you to link to because uh, is my Facebook page, because sometimes when I have things that are a little more last minute or I want to make announcements mm-hmm. or if I'm like streaming another concert like I have before, that is a good place. And I'm just doing a quick verification of my own of the of the URL before I tell you the wrong thing. Okay. <laughs> um, and that is, okay. That is also facebook.com slash the amazing Ando. And in that, if you go to the videos page, um, I've got a, uh, it's February, 2021 home concert. That is a great place. If you want to listen to my music, that is very recent and contains all three of these songs that I mentioned earlier that I would prefer people to, that I would like for people to listen to. So. Okay. Perfect. So I think that covers all of the things. And if for whatever reason, through all of that, there is some other question that somebody had and just wanted to get anything to me, you can email me at andovalentine at gmail.com. Oh, sorry. There was that one other thing. You said andovalentineproductions.com. Yep. Because of the consultation, you were going to, you even prompted me for that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad you plugged that email too. That's cool. That way listeners can... Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of neat that they can interact with you and ask you questions that maybe we never even thought of. Yeah. So andovalentineproductions.com is uh, for my the Shadows of a Dark Past is an Ando Valentine production. And what I am trying to open myself for is um, basically you can hire me to help you make a podcast. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what you're doing, you want to make a podcast and you don't really know how to get started, or maybe you know part of the process, but you need help getting the rest of the way, or maybe you just want to consult. Maybe you need, maybe you know what you want to do. Maybe you know how to do what you need to do, but you don't have the connections and you need like a composer or you need an actor or you need script writing help or any of those kind of things. Basically, if you've got an, and really by podcast, I'm thinking audio dramas here. If you've got like an audio drama idea, and just need help, whether it's a conversation and tips down to actual functional helping and having a role in the show, I can be hired to do this. And as far as like uh, uh, rates and stuff, that is entirely like talk to me. There, okay. There's nothing 
per, like permanent that's posted. Yeah, right it's, there. it's more of a, a custom. Right. And as a note, at the just so you know, the, the Ando Valentine Productions.com, that picture you can see of me with my headphones on, that was yeah. at the Shadows of the Dark Past Season 1 table read, just as a oh, little that's note cool. so you know. That's nice. a fun little fact. <laughs> yeah. Do you, uh, just just a quick question on as far as uh, Ando Valentine's Productions, do you, do you delve into marketing at all and how to market your podcast? Because I, I have noticed, I mean, you, you I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Shadows of the Dark Past, I know it was nominated for some awards, did, and I believe it, did it didn't it win? No, unfortunately, oh, we okay. did not win any awards, but we were nominated for seven. Yes, okay. Audioverse Award. So it's getting out there. You're 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 obviously marketing it well. So do you dive not into as well that? As I would like. See, honestly, here's the thing. Here's the thing. COVID was both a blessing and a curse to Shadows of a Dark Past, and you're going to hear that a lot for a lot of different things. I'm okay. sure. I had a person who was originally going to do my sound effects and music. Mm-hmm. And she was also a very strong social media and marketing whiz. Gotcha. When COVID hit and she got laid off of all her other jobs, she had to focus on re- basically she had to change her life around yeah. in order to to deal with that. And part of what she had to trim out, she had to back away from Shadows of a Dark Past. Mm, okay. That's why I ended up going with Trace and David for my music and sound engineering because I had to find someone to replace her. I have not really found anyone else to replace her on the marketing side. So basically from about March or April last year forward has all been me and it has not been near as good as I would have liked because I know almost nothing about it myself. Okay. Part of Ando Valentine Productions is intended to not, you know, it's not only me. You'll see that there's a team right now. There's only three who have been confirmed like permanent members of it, but I am looking to grow that team as well. And I, part of the contact form that's at the bottom there is not only, you know, I'm interested in, you know, get it in your services is I'm interested in joining. Oh, okay. So let's also throw that out too. If you know things about audio engineering or, or podcasting or marketing or anything like that, that you could be of help to a podcaster and you're interested in being part of a team, you can also get in touch with me to join Ando Valentine Productions. I'm glad I asked that question. <laughs> I am. That way we got that out there. Beautiful. Yes. Well, <sighs> okay. I think have I, have I talked those ears off enough now? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> no, I so... can do another episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I I love this. This is great. Absolutely. <laughs> it's usually just Trey and I sitting here for the bulk of the show talking about just extremely ignorant things. Yeah, laughing, but at the same time, it's it's been nice to have somebody with such a a wide just variety or repertoire of just yeah. things that because it's it's so cool that you aren't pinned down to just one thing as far as like we can't just say that ando is a songwriter or ando <laughs> creates podcasts ando does everything <laughs> well it fully encompasses what we're about yeah. like what we want to do with our podcast this was like if there was ever a poster child for what our podcast is about, yeah. this would be the episode, <laughs> exactly. and you were the perfect guest for that. So we want to say thank you for Aww. expounding so, on everything. Thank you. <laughs> don't thank us. Thank you like, for being on and just, I don't know, this is, this is a banger of an episode. It was, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, I enjoyed it too. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm very, very appreciative, and you are more than welcome to invite me back anytime that you have more questions for me to ramble on. I am a storyteller at heart, 
And like, if you thought that the real life stories were fun, wait till I start delving into my D and D stories. Oh yes. Okay. We'll have to have a whole, <laughs> whole episode dedicated to that. Cause you, you haven't played D and D have you Josh? Despite my, uh, want to. Oh yeah. man. Uh, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to get a campaign. I need to, I need to run a short campaign for you then because oh, I have, See, because see, like I mentioned, I ran a and D campaign for some of my podcaster friends, yep. two of which had one of which had never played D&D before and one of which had played a, a little bit, but said treat them like a noob because they didn't really know what they were doing. So basically, effectively, two veterans and two noobs that I ran in this campaign. So oh. I'm good with running noobs and I am a storyteller at heart. So I need to run this for you. Oh, this I can tell you fun. from firsthand experience, I haven't played D&D with Ando, but he and I have played Legendaria. And that was one of my, <laughs> one of my favorite sessions that I've ever run because uh, oh <laughs> I got to play as Sherlock Holmes and I was, I was the oh game master gosh. for this one. And that was such a fun... Like just the back and forth that we had. I mean, you're talking paragraphs of just back and forth text that we had together. Of just that was partially because of the character I was playing. You well, recall. yeah. But <laughs> oh man, that was that was a blast. So I can just imagine like a like a full D and D setting with you taking the reins. Oh, sounds good. I dude. have. <laughs> I I seeing as I I almost I could just take that campaign I ran for my podcaster friends as it is and just give new characters, start the whole thing over again. I can just rerun that. Let's talk offline about this. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. This has been quite the ride. Very fun. And guys, you know where to find Ando at. Yeah. So go check them out and explore you have a lot to explore so um thank you again ando and until next time i've been the scottish hush puppy and i've got some food to go eat and until then my ghastly gang stay spooky let's hit this outro real quick yep create shit build anything make it real Jordan Belford Stacking penny stocks while I'm flipping these birds Sipping on Ciroc, trip them up with the words I done popped the molly and I think it's be my third